It's a great day. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's a great day. It is the first Sunday of 2021, and there's not a better place in the world that you could be than here. And with that, what that means is, and you ready? 2020 is officially over. It is in our rearview mirror, and we're moving forward to 2021, which is the year of face masks and syringes. So everybody get ready for those needles. It's going to be exciting, right? All these vaccines everybody's so fired up about. When we look back at 2020, it's easy for us to maybe be negative about what happened. I mean, it was a year of rioting. There was mass chaos. The election was so bad that it's still being contested right now. I mean, there are so many different things that we could look at with maybe negativity, maybe some tension or frustration. In fact, by many, 2020 has been dubbed or labeled the year of fear. And for right reason, because when you think about 2020, whenever you think about the year of fear, you think about the panic and anxiety that was taking place. You could hardly get on social media or have a conversation with someone without it turning into a fight. You might say, oh, there's a fear factor with 2020. And they'd be like, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm just staying at home because I feel safe and I don't feel safe anywhere else. You could have people arguing over politics. You have people arguing over statues. There were firefights or fires everywhere. There were so many fights everywhere in 2020 that it just created tension and anxiety, all-time highs in depression. And so what we were thinking about in the year of fears, how can we turn 2021 into something better? How can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, take something that was bad or negative and transform it into something good? How can we restore the joy of the Lord that he's given to us? And so we're gonna start this series to start off our year called Sweet as Honey. And we're going to be focusing on the promises and the stories and the impact of God. And this is our promise to you. In 2021, we're going to have fun in church. I don't know what's going to happen in your life. I do know that we're going to have obstacles. There's going to be things that we have to overcome. We will have troubles. But so help me, God, if we can't have fun in church, we're just doing it wrong. So let's have some fun in 2021. Can I have an amen from somebody? Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to start in Mark chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 12. And as you are turning there in your Bible, I want you to kind of have a background on this. Jesus had begun his earthly ministry. He was in the, the region of Galilee. He was teaching. His fame and his name had begun to grow. And everywhere he went, people would just gather around him. The crowds were increasing. And people wanted to just be near him. And as he was in Capernaum, at a home where he frequented, not that he owned, but in a, in a home where, where he would be at and stay at regularly, we pick up this passage. And this is where, where it starts. And it says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get near him because of the crowd, and they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, 
Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirits that they questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. When we think of what God calls us to, when we think about the problems and the obstacles that we might face in life, I think this story is a great indicator for how we should start 2021. We see that these men had heard about Jesus. They knew of his power and his influence. They knew that, that Jesus was a man where if they had a problem, he could, he could be a solution to their issue. And they had this thought that our friend is not well. He can't walk. In fact, it took four men to carry this man and his bed to Jesus. And as they approached the house where Jesus was teaching, proclaiming the good news, which is a message that he was sharing the gospel, that they needed to turn from their sin, that they needed to turn to God, that he was a fulfillment or the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He wasn't there saying, hey, let me tell you how to get rich. Let me tell you how to be happy in life. He was proclaiming the message of salvation, of faith and repentance. And as he was doing this, this crowd gathered around them because the world was and still is hungry for truth. And as they came around him, these people were trying to get their lame friend in the house, but nobody would move. And this one guy had this thought, I got, I got a brilliant plan, let's go up on the roof. And you can kind of imagine, maybe some of the people were like, okay, you know, we'll get him up here, maybe Jesus will see and he'll come up there. And then you can kind of, if you imagine this scenario, one guy's like, hey, I got a shovel. Do you have a shovel, maybe a pickaxe? Let's go to work on this roof. And as Jesus is teaching, these people are shoveling on their roof. As Jesus is teaching, and there's no way for them to get in the house, these men are going to do whatever they have to do to get into that house so they can get their friend to Jesus. Jesus, who the record of this eyewitness account of Mark says, continues teaching. There's no, no stopping this. Jesus doesn't say, all right, there's a distraction, so I'm going I'm to stop doing church. I'm going to stop proclaiming the good news. He just keeps on going. Jesus waits until the hole is there and the man is being lowered down. And as soon as he sees him, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus responds to their faith. Jesus responds to their actions, to their heart and their thought process, their mentality, that we must go to Jesus. We have a problem and we have an issue and there's only one person who can fix this issue and this chaos and this problem in our life and it's Jesus and they do whatever they can to get to him. They didn't look at this, this problem in their life and say, you know, it's just too difficult. It would be uncomfortable for us to, to, to ease our way in there. They saw a problem. They saw an obstacle. They saw an issue and instead of giving up, they pressed on. And I want you to understand this is a great message for life. This is a great message coming out of 2020. 
coming into 2021 that even though there are obstacles and hurdles in our way, we must continue pressing on towards Jesus. I can promise you the word of God is true. And the word of God tells us that in this life we will have troubles. It also tells us that greater is he than that which is in the world. That Jesus is greater than all of our obstacles, all of our hurdles, all of the problems we'll have in life. I'm going to be real honest with you. We have seen God do the incredible in 2020. We have a contract on 4309 Main Street where we currently sit. This is essential for us to get relocated to our new land and our new property. That is not without its hurdles and obstacles either. We have a city council who has changed some zoning laws and some requirements for us to sell this building. And there are obstacles here. And we could throw our hands up and be like, how could city council do this? We're going to do everything we can to, to make it go through. We're going to work. But I can tell you this. There is a point to where the only person who can solve our problems is Jesus. And where these men knew that they had to get their friend to Jesus, we know that if we're going to get where God is calling us to go, it's got to be Jesus paving, paving the way for us. So what I want to do is I want to issue a challenge to you to take your issues to God, to go to God in faith. In the same way that these men knew that if they got to Jesus, their friend would be healed, we need to know that if we get to Jesus, he will make our paths straight. So every day, what I want to ask you to do in 2020 is to pray for our relocation. And as you pray, I want you to pray specifically for the path of the relocation. We know that if we sell 4309 Main Street, the day that there is ink on the paper, we can move dirt and we can start construction. We have the path forward. Pray that God would smooth out any obstacles, that he would remove them, that if there's any potholes, that he would cover them. If there's any detours, that we would know how to take them so we can fulfill the vision God gave us, which goes to the reason of the relocation. We're pressing forward on the relocation because God gave this vision to the church over 20 years ago. He provided that land for this church before George Bush was even there. How on earth would we not press forward towards his vision? We know the answer of the relocation. We know for every hurdle, for every obstacle that we have, that God is able to do more than we could ever think or imagine, which is the why. And this is what I always tell God in my prayers whenever I pray about the relocation, the yield of the relocation. We want to get relocated because we firmly believe that on the corner of George Bush and Main Street, we will have a greater platform than we've ever had to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I firmly believe that whenever those buildings are going up, whenever the, the walls are going up, that people will see what God's doing and they will have amazement in their eyes and they will wonder and they will come to our church just to see what a God like ours can do. If he can get us relocated in a pandemic, what can God do in their heart and life? What we know in our life is we must overcome obstacles in the same way that these four men overcame obstacles to get their friend to Jesus. Because if we can just get to Jesus, he will heal our wounds. And that's what we see in this passage. As it continues, it says, and when Jesus saw Look at this, their faith. When Jesus saw their assurance, their confidence, when Jesus saw their belief in the unseen, when Jesus saw that they knew what no one could know, he looked 
and said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Everybody focuses on how he grabbed his bed and walked out. But the true miracle here is that not only was his body restored, his soul and his relationship with Jesus was restored. That's the power of the passage. That God makes dead men alive. Not that he makes lame men walk, but God removes the man's sin and he removes your sin and my sin because he died on the cross at Calvary. And the same freedom this man had from his sin, you and I have if we would put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when he saw their faith, to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Such a powerful truth here. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. When we attempt great things for God, there will always be haters. When we attempt great things for God, there will always be naysayers. There will always be people who point out why we can't or why we shouldn't even try. And that's what was happening in this room. The religious people, those who thought highly of their own intelligence, who thought they were smarter than everyone else, who thought they were better than everyone else, who elevated themselves, said, who is this man? And Jesus noticed. He perceived it. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in the room with Jesus? He says something amazing, and you doubt it, and he looks at you and says, why are you questioning me, son? It'd be like kind of, I don't know, maybe you hear something in a sermon, you send a text message to one of your friends, something negative about what we're doing. Can you imagine what would happen if those texts became public? If people knew about your negativity, maybe the animosity or maybe the, the vile nature of your criticism? Jesus perceived it and he saw it and he called them out. We have been somewhat subject to some criticism in 2020. People said, oh, well, you shouldn't do camp because you're going to have an outbreak. Shouldn't do fall festival because we're going to be the source of a pandemic hotspot. Shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Can I tell you something? 2020 was a tough year, but 2020 was a great year. Let me tell you seven reasons why, because seven's a good biblical number, why 2020 was a great year at First Baptist Rowlett. First and foremost, our focus was mission-driven. We never took our eyes of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needed it. Maybe in 2021, it became more evident than ever for people in our world. We never stopped sharing Christ. When we were told we couldn't meet together and we had to do church online only for 11 weeks, we had 15 salvations during that time. During a year where we had fractured attendance and people were scared to come out of their home to church or anywhere else, we baptized 26 people which is the sixth highest baptism total we've had in our church history in over 100 years. Can you believe that? When you think about 2020, we stayed focused on that which God called us to do. It's not our best baptism year ever, but in a year like 2020, I think God showed up in an undeniable way. Number two, our creativity was outstanding. I don't know if you're aware of this, 
But in seminary, they don't teach you how to do church online only. They don't tell you how to pastor during a pandemic. They don't tell you how difficult it is to love people and want to be with them in the hospital, pray with them as they're having a surgery, or mourning a loss and not being able to go be with them. But we found ways to be creative. We not only did church online only, and we've been doing church online for years, but we made it from okay to great. In fact, we've seen that what we're doing the first weekend, other churches who are much bigger and much larger than us just started doing. By the way, whenever I'm talking about obstacles to overcome, our TV went out this morning. That's why it's not up here right now. Not only that, our microphone that I usually use wasn't working today either. Great start, right? There will be obstacles. We found ways to keep the church engaged. We had a scavenger hunt with ours. In December, we delivered snowballs to people's home. When we couldn't have communion at church, we invited people to go get donuts and Coke and have communion in a new way. We were creative without compromising the truth of God's word, always proclaiming scripture without apology. Number three, our people rallied together. It's unbelievable how when we couldn't meet together, our classes, our connect groups continued to meet, and most of our groups had greater attendance online than they averaged in person on a Sunday morning. I know this was true for my connect group and many connect groups. We had the establishment of a call team. We have 13 members who are responsible to call 413 families a month, meaning that since the start of the call team, we've had over 4,000 phone calls made by 13 people. Our connect groups have been more connected than ever because they're leveraging technology in a way to stay connected through Zoom, email, text messaging, GroupMe, other technology. We have created not just that call team, but we have an on-call service to where if somebody in our church or in our community needs groceries or they need help, we'll send somebody to them. We've got our deacons who are working harder than ever. Our response team has been phenomenal. You would think that in a year where we weren't allowed to meet together that our attendance would drop, but did you know our reach expanded exponentially in 2020? At the beginning of the year, we're averaging over a 30% increase in in-person attendance. Then in March, whenever we had the stay-at-home orders, we thought, oh, nobody can come to church, and we went online only. And there was a time to where we had over 2,000 unique viewers a week watching our services. Since then, our number over the past couple of months has been running somewhere around 651.3, exactly, unique Viewers, And we're not talking about people who watch for three or five seconds. We're talking about those who watch the entire service as long as we can track how long they're with us online. I've had people from Hong Kong telling me that they're watching our services. People in Africa calling me and telling me or emailing me and letting me know they're watching our services. People all over the world are tuning in to what God is doing here. And don't misunderstand this. Online church is not a substitute for corporate worship. It was not meant, online church is not meant to replace coming together as scripture calls us and commands us to do. But I understand there are people with pre-existing conditions who need to be as cautious as possible. And so when we think about this, we may not report our online numbers every week, but asking whether or not they, they count is kind of like asking JCPenney if Amazon is a real threat. We know that online consumerism is a real thing, and we are hoping that we can allow people to engage until they can come back to worship together. 
Let me tell you something else about 2020 that was great. Our generosity was greater towards our budget than any other year in the history of our church. You would think that in a year where people were losing their jobs left and right, that their giving would have shrunk, but it did not happen in our church. This isn't even the total numbers of 2020. This is just what we have received up until I asked for this report a week ago. There has been a $13,000 increase over 2019, which was our richest or most generous year, our richest year of generosity in our church history. We see people give above and beyond their tithes by over $500,000. And you can look at this money and be like, oh, okay, there's the numbers. Let me translate this to you in a way that is more tangible. Our church has not had to lay off anybody due to the pandemic. Where companies have had to lay off people and several churches have had to lay off staff because of the generosity of our people, everyone is still employed at our church. Number two, we have not had to cut our budget by one penny because of the generosity of our church. And what that really means is we have not had to have any reductions of our ministry. In fact, our ministry has a greater reach than it's ever had because our people are generous. They're generous. They give. You give because your life has been transformed by the gospel. And I know the motivation of salvation is for other people to receive salvation. And because you're generous, we can reach out into our community like we haven't done since the tornado. When we had that disaster relief, we had hundreds of family coming through our church each week. We may not have hundreds, but it is the second greatest year of serving our community that we've ever had as a church. And that is because our church family is generous to propel the mission of Jesus Christ to stay mission focused. Let me tell you something else that we did. Our resistance to change crumbled. You either adapt or you die off like the dinosaurs. Our church adapted. And whenever you think about this, I think the greatest evidence of our adaptation was whenever we opened up church in mid to late July. In August, we saw that our numbers were, were skyrocketing, and at 11 o'clock, we had too many people in our service. That next Monday, we called a meeting with our Connect Group leaders for Wednesday night. We told everybody about it, called everybody and said, here's our issue. If we continue with only having two service, we will go or move to an unsafe place of worship. What we want to do is see if y'all would be willing to change everything on Sunday morning. Meaning that every connect group that we had had to change something. They had to alter when or where they met. Every single connect group has made a change. We had to go from two worship services to three worship services, which means that our, our staff, our, our leadership, our volunteer base had to do more. And everybody in unison, everybody in togetherness agreed to make the change even though it was rapid, it was difficult, and it was taxing. We came together. And because of that, and because of the precautions, and because of the extra work, I can tell you that in 2020, our church was and will continue to be safe. In jest, I made a comment a few months ago that I believe our church is safer than your homes. And that has been proven out because in our church, we haven't had any kind of outbreak. In our church on Sunday morning, we haven't seen any kind of spike in a connect group or any other, any other thing that we've done as a church. I made that joke, and I said this, that 
I've been to some of your homes, so I know that our church is cleaner than some of your homes. But we've seen it be true. I'm not trying to pick on people or anything like that. I think it's kind of funny whenever you think about it. But we are able to do things relatively as normal with adjustments, with social distancing and masks to where we sent our kids to, to children's camp and they came back without an issue. We sent our students to student camp and they came back without any kind of incident or exposure. We had our fall festival, social distance. We were safe and there were no incidents. We've had breakfast, breakfast for our senior adults. We've had connect group parties and God has kept us safe throughout all of it. And we will continue to put precautions up to make our church safe because if that means we've got to be six feet apart whenever we're worshiping or whenever we're in a connect group class to have church and do it in person with our brothers and sisters to our left and our right, then we can wear a little mask and be a little bit further apart during that time. It is worth the sacrifice. Jesus looked at them and said, I know that there are some thoughts going in your head and they're negative. We look at 2020 and there's a lot of thoughts that go through our head that are negative. And Jesus called them out on these negativity issues that they had. Jesus addressed the haters and he made it clear that the authority that he had to transform lives belonged to him. He said, all authority in Matthew 28, 18, has been given to me. And he says, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He looks at this guy and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk out. But the authority that Jesus had back then is the same authority that he has today with whatever is facing your life and my life. He is a God whenever he sees an obstacle. He says, what kind of obstacle is that to a God who can part seas? He is one who overcomes and he calls us not to the comfortable he calls us to the challenge to follow him. And there is a promise when we are faithful to do that which God calls us to. Not only are we accepted in the same way that this paralytic man was accepted by his faith, through his faith, but God does a work in us that will astonish the world around us. And this is what we see at the end of our passage today, that their faith met astonishment says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. You know that bed that took four men to carry you in? You rise and you pick up that bed by yourself and you go home. There's not just the healing, there's kind of a feat of strength that you see here. Managing this bed all by himself. And the people who were there are watching him. The people who are there are like, we have never seen anything like this before. They were all amazed. We need to understand when God moves and works within our hearts and our lives, it amazes the people around us. When God is active in your heart and your life, it brings awe and wonder to the people who are close to you. Whenever God is moving in your life, your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors, your Strangers that you come in contact with want to know what it is about you that's different. And that thing that is different is the power of the Holy Spirit that is living and active and moving within your heart and your life. And there is nothing that our God cannot do. So says that they looked and they were amazed and astonished and they were praising. God's work not only amazes, God's work initiates praise 
within people's lives. When they see God moving and working, it instigates a response of praising our great God and Savior. And I have a question for you. I want you to think about this. When is the last time somebody looked at your life, what God was doing in your life, your testimony, and they were amazed by what God had done for you? When is the last time somebody looked at your life and because of his work in your life, they had no other response but to praise God that you were an answer to prayer? It shouldn't be 10 15 years ago. God should be constantly moving and working, creating amazement, creating worship out of our lives. The problem is some of us forget that God wants to continue to do work in us. He didn't save us from our sins so that we could just be saved in a frozen chosen over here just kind of hanging out. He saved us from our sin and he desires to use us for his good and his glory. When's the last time God used you for his good and his glory? In 2021, to live a life that amazes people, to live a life that instigates praise within people. It starts by you actually doing something for the Lord in 21. I want you to do more than you've ever done before. If that means that you step out and you teach a connect group or you step out and you serve in our student ministry or you step out and you serve in our preschool or you step out and you find a way that you can use your gifts and talents, you find a way to do more than you've ever done before in 2021. Instead of sitting back and making excuses why you can't serve, find a way that you can serve this year. Instead of sitting back letting everybody else do the work, become active. Let's not have 90% of the people, 95% of the work being done by 5 or 10% of the people. Let's be a church that is active, doing something for the glory of God. Number two, give more than you've ever given in 2021. People are like, all right, there's the money talk. It's officially a church year. God doesn't just want your money. He wants everything. He wants your life. He wants your heart's attention. He wants you to be stewards of all the resources he's given to you. He wants you to be a steward of his time. He wants you to be a steward of the talent that he's given you, the insight, the knowledge that you have. He wants you to be a steward of the money, of the resources. He wants you to be a steward of the life that he has given you to. Whenever you say, Lord, you are my king, he wants you to act like you are his servant. That because he has saved you, you will live for him. Not just as Savior, but you will live for Him because He is your Lord. And I want to challenge you to do it with a spirit of fun. Have more fun in 21. I believe with all my heart, if you're not having fun in church, you're doing it wrong. If we gather together and you don't live encouraged, if you don't leave fired up for the glory of God, if you don't live, leave inspired by the truth of God and the promises of God, we're missing the mark as a church. I worked with a person, came on staff. I was the executive pastor. We're in a staff meeting, and the children's minister said, you know what, Cole, it's Sunday, not fun day. Like, what is wrong with you? You want children to come to church and hate it? That is the worst philosophy of ministry I've ever heard in my life. When people come to church, they should be fired up to see their brothers and sisters who are in it with them, sharing life. When our children show up, they should be running to meet their teachers. Like Carly was every time she saw Miss Jeannie last year. We should be excited to be here on Wednesday night. Coming together with people who have like mind and like values and a vision to impact darkness. To make an impact on the world around us. Instead of being bitter 
and negative, doom and gloom, make your faith sweet in 21. 